I love Trulies and okay. they have the massive like 30 ounce Trulies yeah. that are like strawberry lemonade flavored. And okay. that has been my go-to lately. Cause it's so huge. I'm a yeah. fairly short individual. It's so, it feels like it's my entire body weight. Sure. Um, and so it feels, I can like sip on that through all movie yes. and I'm like, I, I don't feel bloated the next day. So yeah. there's yeah. my ad for Trulies. And welcome to a special episode of Two Takes on Film. Wyatt is actually out on a business trip this week. He just flew into North Carolina this morning, like the fancy pants that he is. Um, but we only had one movie to review today. And since that movie is called Men, we thought what better time to have a woman-only review than for a movie called Men. So today I am joined by Noelle Murray Segrist, and she is a longtime friend of the pod, uh, but we just haven't had the chance to have her on and, and to have her join us today. So Noelle, welcome. I'm so glad that you get to be here today. I feel so honored to be on. Yes. Very excited. And I love, I love the idea of two women reviewing men. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. 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 Absolutely. Uh, but before we get into that, I would love to just hear a little bit about who you are and what occupies your time. And most importantly, what is your relationship with movies like? Oh, that's such a fun question. I feel like I'll do my like elevator pitch first of like who I am. And I love I that. Do. Yeah, go for it. I am an operations coordinator um, at a nonprofit in Oregon called the Oregon Association of Relief Nurseries. Uh, it's a big old mouthful to say every time. Um, I basically am like a project manager for our association. I've been there for like two and a half years. And so I sit so literally at this desk on Zoom yes. <laughs> every day for hours is what I do most of the time. Um, but outside of work, um, I live in Medford. I live uh, cl pretty close to Wyatt, actually. So a lot of my time is going to the movies and yes. going to eat good food with our friends and spending time with family and all of all of the all of the regular life things. I've been recently really getting into going the, to the gym. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it feels like a weird thing to say, but to say, like that, yeah. has, that has occupied a lot of my time lately. Big okay. fan of that. Good. Um, yeah. With movies, my relationship to movies. I grew up in a household um, that really loved movies, that movies okay. were very important and significant hmm. and watching them annually and quoting them. And hmm. like, there's like the, the catalog of like my family's movies. Yeah. Um, Which includes a, what? Tell us oh what goodness. are some of the family favorites? Oh, well, I mean, if you were watching this, you can see I have BB-8 and all of the Star Wars original yes. posters on my wall. Star so Wars good. is a big part. Big part. Okay. I had a mom who really loved science fiction and time travel. Lots of Star Trek viewings, lots of Star Wars, lots of Lord of the Rings. Um, but also a lot of uh, older <laughs> cult classic favorites in our house. Basically anything that John Cusack is in. Hmm. I've probably seen it and love it. Um 
my fam- my family's like Christmas movie is called it's horrible it's a horrible name for a movie it's not politically correct it is not up my alley to like sure but it's like my family's movie yeah. called Better Off Dead okay it's John Cusack in his prime being silly and like Christmas barely happens in the movie but it's like Aww. a Christmas movie in our house so. totally yeah very good warm fuzzy memories lots of experiences where when there were old-timey movies coming to the local movie theater my mom and I would go pick up subway sandwiches and sneak them in and sit in the back of the theater and we were the only ones there and we'd eat dinner and watch whatever you know Alfred Hitchcock or whatever she wanted me to be educated on movies so yeah I love that yeah (laughs) and then movies obviously continue to be a part of your life today I know you were a part of the little movie crew that Wyatt often goes to see movies with so yeah any favorites that you've had recently that you have seen oh my goodness well oh my goodness there's so many I feel like recently the thing that has come to mind like in the last week thinking about men actually Uh is another A24 that I feel like just rocked my world last year was The Green Knight sure I loved it I saw it multiple times in theaters I could probably watch it again tomorrow and love it just as much yeah um I'm a big Marvel fan as well okay big you know and so like no way home around Christmas. Sure. I was like, this is it. Five, I, I used letterbox as like a movie rating app. Yeah. And all that. And that was like one of my only five stars from last year. Okay. I, like, I could watch no way home again and again. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's special. I love that. Um, how are you feeling about the upcoming Marvel movies and all the things that are coming out from Marvel? Oof. I would say that I, did not enjoy Doctor Strange. Okay. I, I enjoyed the, the the debate y'all hosted. Yes. I was like, I, I can see it. I think that I'm a bit scared and worried about my characters that I love so dearly being uh-huh. portrayed in different ways. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I totally. feel a bit mixed. <laughs> totally. Yeah. How do you, yeah. what are your thoughts on, um, just the amount of content that Marvel puts out, particularly can taking into consideration all of the things that are coming out on Disney plus and yeah. How, how does that feel to you? Is that exciting to you? Do you enjoy that? Or is there a point as someone who really yeah. enjoys Marvel? Is yeah. there a point <laughs> where it's like, okay, this is too much. You're doing too much. I absolutely think there is a point I okay. think that I, um, similarly my, like my, the bigger love of my life is star Wars. And that's one of those where like, as soon as we started introducing TV shows, yeah. I was like tapped out. I was like, uh Oh, like we have a universe that has like, in, in like worlds that have very defined rules and, and styles and character arcs and like those type of things. And once you have to produce so much content quickly, we're diluting the universe a little sure, bit. We're breaking, sure. we're breaking rules and principles, which we have previously set. Yeah. And I think that Marvel passed that threshold a while ago. Okay. I don't think we're like currently passing. That. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that the TV shows, especially I had like Wyatt and I have talked about this a great, great number of times. I was obsessed with the Loki trailer. When they put out the trailer for the Loki TV show, I was like, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> this is all I wanted. And then the show came around and I was like, oh no, I liked the trailer. I oh, liked the show. Tough. And I think I felt that way with most of the, t- with the exception of WandaVision, okay. our crowning achievement in life. But okay. <laughs> I think the TV shows, especially I'm like, oh, it's that we've hit that point of we're breaking the rules that we've set previously. Mm. So like, how do I stay invested if I don't, for me, how do I, how do I stay invested if I don't know the rules or if yeah. I have to expect that the rules change 
every time. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so tricky. And also again, highlighting the importance of a trailer. We talk about that frequently here on the pod of how a trailer can influence so much of how the actual, how I actually enjoy the film. Like, wow, I wish I could just watch that trailer and have that be the movie because that's what I loved (laughs) and what I thought I was getting. Um, which, which I do have a question about that for men, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself. Um, I wanted to give you that time to do a little elevator pitch. And now I'm going to ask you, um, just some more hard hitting in depth questions to continue to get to know you. The first of which is probably one of the most important questions you'll be asked on this podcast. What is your go-to movie snack? Movie snack. Ooh. Hmm. And is it different if you're watching a movie at home or if you're watching in the movie theater? It's been such a sad realization as I am nearing 25. My quarter life crisis is Uh that I eat movie theater popcorn and I don't feel good afterward. And it has just been like this like crux in my life of like, I can't just eat the massive tub and like be ready to roll the next day. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it's shifting. I think at the movie theater lately because I'm like, I have to... I can't, you know, feel bloated all the time. Sure. <laughs> sure. And like our movie theater um, has alcoholic drinks at, okay. the, at the counter, which is very yeah. fun. And I love Trulies and okay. they have the massive like 30 ounce Trulies yeah. that are like strawberry lemonade flavored. And okay. that has been my go-to lately because it's so huge. I'm a fairly yeah. short individual. It's so, it feels like it's my entire body weight. Sure. Um, And so it feel I can like sip on that through a whole movie. Yes. And I'm like, I, I don't feel bloated the next day. So yeah. there's yeah. my ad for Trulies. Um, if I'm at home though, what a fun question. I feel like it changes. I have a partner who loves to cook. Yeah. He's currently at the store buying stuff to make sauce from scratch tonight. Ooh. So I feel like usually if it's a movie, it, if we're like sitting down to watch a movie properly, Joel is probably in the kitchen making some sort of fun snack creation. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm not a sweets person. I'm usually okay. savory. Okay. So I feel like chips and salsa is a yes. great go-to. Yeah. Something like that. If I'm okay. feeling up to it, popcorn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was going to ask in light of your, um, newfound struggle with movie theater popcorn, <laughs> yes. does that still prevent you from eating it? Or do you choose sometimes to just power through? So as we've mentioned, I'm a part of this group that goes to the movie theater quite often with Wyatt, yeah, sometimes totally. multiple times a week. Sure. And I think every all, you know, there's like maybe six of us that go, there will be like three big old tubs of popcorn yeah. purchased with the assumption that we're all going to eat it. Right. And so if someone's going to offer me some, I'm yeah. not going to say no, that right. would be rude. Right. So <laughs> no, I do, eat, I do eat it, but just not in the massive quantity that I feel like I used to be able to. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Aging sign of aging is just the worst sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> some of some of those ailments. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving along, what is the best part of your day? Oh, oh, the best part of my day is so mushy. I really like my partner Joel. I yeah. think that anytime that we can sit and hang out, we both work at home together. Um, but I feel like lately both of our works are like very, we're going and we're going to go to the gym and then we go to the movies with friends. And so anytime that it can just be the two of us 
hanging out, sitting, especially in the sunshine now on the yeah. backyard, if we could have a lunch break together at the same time yeah, and even talk about something like the the Johnny Depp trial or show Ooh, the favorite TikToks yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I feel like those have been the highlights of my day lately. Okay. That's good. Um, okay. So out of that response, I have two questions for you. The first of which <laughs> work from work from home. How has that been? How long have you been doing that? Um, what is your like most favorite part and your least favorite part? Because so many of us have had to transition to work from home yeah. in the past couple of years. I'm sure a lot of people have started transitioning back to the office or maybe are hybrid, but yeah, yeah, for someone who continues to be fully work from home, how has that been for you? Yeah, totally. So I graduated college in 2020. So okay. like, yay, pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> well, so the association that I worked for, um, that I work for currently, I was an intern for during my senior year of college. Okay. And I had a different job lined up for post-college and then the pandemic canceled that. Um, and I was in a little bit of limbo and my now boss at the time was like, I think we work really well together. I, you, we don't need to be in an office space. We can all work remotely. Like what if I, what if there was a position for you kind of thing? Uh huh. Yeah. So I started this job when I was still in college, essentially, and I've just continued it, um, okay. for going into my third year. Wow. So this is all I know. Yeah. Never been working in an office. Like oh all my, of my colleagues like work in other parts of the state. Okay. Um, which is great for me. It's been wonderful because that meant I could move. I can, I mm. had no exposure, um, to COVID at yeah. work. You know, I could, I could see my parents who were high risk and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so there's a lot of benefits. Love that. Sure. I love that. I have my husband across the hallway and we can talk or go to the bank if we need to on our yeah. lunch break or blah, blah, all the boring stuff. Yeah. Um, but it is hard. I am yeah. like, I'm an extroverted individual and okay. I miss having people. I'm not yeah. always able to have a reason to have a zoom call with folks during the day. Yeah. And it's hard to sit at a desk and stay motivated. And there's a little part of me that worries that if, and when I go work in an office at a different yeah. position, am I going to be like the bratty, like only child that like, I'm like, oh. no, I need my own space. Yeah. <laughs> and I, why I can't share anymore. Am I like losing my ability to like share or like yeah. people experiences? So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you'll adapt well if, and when <laughs> that presents itself, but yeah, work from home is a, um, was like a fun little adventure at the beginning and then became like, Oh, I'm ready to not do this anymore. But now I am back to hybrid. So it really nice. has been a nice balance of, of the best of both worlds. Good, uh, but yeah. the other thing that you mentioned was the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. Have yes. you been tracking that closely and what have been maybe just like high level thoughts on, uh, the trial? I, I don't want to, I don't like using the word obsessive because that is a medical term. I don't need to use it, but I have been fixated on it for yeah. no apparent reason. Yeah. I've watched most of it live. Okay. <laughs> and if not, um, my friend Haley had recommended to me, um, legal bites, which is a YouTube channel that does like really great succinct reviews. She's a lawyer okay. who runs okay. the channel and does reviews of it. So I've either watched it live or watched the reviews yeah. of every day of it. So interesting. So interesting. Like high level. So number one, so interesting. Number two, just like such a loss for the world, for women in general. I'm like, regardless of how this ends, it's a a big L for women all, all over the place. Yeah. I think that it's been really interesting to see. They just today had some, they had a psychologist who is in the, in the court yesterday and they brought in 
a separate psychologist today to critique what the psychologist sure. yesterday said. Sure. And yeah. you're like, I didn't know this was a thing that could happen. Right. What? Like, right. can they bring in someone tomorrow to criticize today's? Like, can, right. can you just go on for, it's so interesting. Yeah. I don't think I know enough about the legal system, but it's right. so interesting. I feel like they're, uh, in my lifetime, there have not, not been a ton of really public trials that I feel like I have been able to kind of actively be interested or engaged in. Um, there have certainly been some, but it feels like this is one that, and maybe social media is part of it because I feel like I just see it everywhere. And I feel yeah. like so many people are watching, so many people are invested, um, which is a really interesting and unique opportunity to have a conversation about the situation and what's happening between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And I think there is a lot, um, like you said, <laughs> like, I think there's just a lot that has been lost in like yeah. the hysterics of this very public trial, um, which feels really unfortunate for, um, a lot of important conversations that I think do yeah. need to happen. Um, but if anything it has shown me that I know nothing about <laughs> like legal systems yeah. or like lawyer jargon and all the things as yeah. they're, as you're like watching this situation unfold in front of you, it's just fascinating and it is, and and is such a like social experiment almost of like watching the yeah. lawyers interacting with each other and the judge and the role that she plays. And also just the idea of our justice system and a jury of peers, all of that just blows my mind when I actually think yeah. about it. Like these are normal people. These are normal people yeah. who got pulled out of their everyday lives to sit in a room and like make a judgment about something. It just, it blows yeah. my mind. I learned, I don't know if you, you probably already know this. This was new information to me though, that, you know, there's a huge amount of people that like are originally like called to be on the jury and then uh -huh. they whittle that down to 15 and then it's whittled down to seven or whatever. And currently there are seven or eight people sitting on the jury. Yeah. But when the proceedings are done, when the jury goes to, you know, create their verdict, that seven or eight people will be whittled down to only five. So oh. only five of the people that are sitting in the jury right now are going to like make the actual call. Whoa. And I'm like, that's interesting on a couple levels, but like, what if you're one of those like two or three that get cut? You just spent like two months the whole of your time, life right. sitting there and you and don't, then you don't contribute <laughs> to I the decision. I learned that on this legal bites channel. And okay. I was like, they said it as just like, oh, you know, there's only going to be five in the end. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> and I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. So did Very they odd. mention, did they mention anything about how they choose who those five are and do both sides have to come to an agreement about who gets chosen? I, think, I don't know. My knowledge of that would come from like other media. I think I've seen, sure. but I think that it comes from both sides. Okay. I'm not totally sure though. Okay. I think that they like can nominate, like I want your four, eight and 12 on mine and whatever. Yeah. I'm not totally sure though. It's oh, kind of interesting though. It's super yeah. interesting. I wonder if those extra three people are technically alternates and oh. like, just in case someone gets sick or can't, I don't know, whatever, then they can't do. have been present and have heard everything. So they can just pop in. I don't know. It's all amazing. No, but like you were saying though, it's weird to, I don't feel like I've been present or like conscious for something that's been this highly publicized. Yeah. And I keep on thinking of how there are TV shows about the OJ trial 
Right. And I'm like, are we in 20 years going to have a TV show about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's right. trial? Like, yeah. And this is not murder. This is quite different right. than that. But like, it's such a, it feels like that caliber of like, mm-hmm. everyone's watching. Yeah. And- yeah. So yeah. 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 Well, uh, okay. A few more questions for you. Yes. What is your favorite smell? Oh, what an interesting question. I do not have a great sense of smell. So I'm trying to think. Ooh. I really, um, Oh, I feel like lately I just like <laughs> anytime, like anyone in my household puts like onions and garlic in a pan, sure. with, like olive oil. I'm like, what are you cooking? Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah. I think I realized recently that that's like a very safe smell to me. Like I like just the smells of cooking in general, but yeah. like, oh, if you have garlic and onion in a pan, you're probably going to cook up something good. Oh like my gosh. you're on the way to, that's the base of something that I'm going to eat. So. Absolutely. The foundation of all the best things. Yes. For I sure. don't know if they make a candle with that type <laughs> of smell. So if it was like a candle related smell, something like eucalyptus, but that feels more okay. boring. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I don't think I would want onion and garlic smell in a candle no. variety there. And what an interesting concept that is that like in the context of cooking, that's the yeah. most amazing smell. If I'm trying to relax or trying to make my house smell good, I'm not going to go that direction. I, I don't want like a bath salt that smells like onion and garlic. Right. That doesn't right. feel like what I'd want. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> of course. Um, okay. Just a couple left. What would your 10 year old self think of you now? Oh, what a fun question. My 10 year old self. I think, I think she'd be proud of me. I think that when I was 10, I'm not sure that I thought, oh, such a deep, we're just, Heather, I was telling you when I was on another podcast, it got deep really quickly. I know. I I don't know know if I thought much of myself as a 10 year old. Yeah. I think that I had preconceived notions that I, you know, I was this, that, or the other. And I think that I don't believe those or buy into those anymore. And I kind of, Mm and more settled in who, I mean, obviously 10 to 24 is a chunk of time, but like, I'm way more settled in who I am. Um, I think that 10 year old me had no idea how to work with curly hair. So I think she'd be flabbergasted. You get it. You know, I get it. (laughs) I think she'd be flabbergasted that we're at the point we are now. Yeah. I think she'd be very proud of me that I still have all the Legos that I care about. Yeah, I think she'd think that this was a pretty cool life. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think back to my 10 year old self and um, just the fact that, so I'm 31 at my age now, like that felt so old to me. (laughs) And then now being here, I'm like, wow, this is not that old. Like there's still so much life ahead of you, which I mean, it's all, you know, perspective of zero to 10 and 10 to 31, yeah. but, uh, what would your yeah. 10 year, I mean, besides being old, what, do we, yeah. <laughs> what else would your 10 year old self think of yeah. you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my 10 year old self was so unsure of herself and so concerned about what other people thought, which like, what a crucial time in yeah. a little girl's life in particular, like upper elementary going into middle school and, it's just terrifying. Like everyone has an opinion of you and, or so it feels, (laughs) it feels that way and very much feels like, um, 
like leaving, I'm 10 is still pretty young, but like starting that process of leaving childhood and entering into things Mm. more mature. And, um, that was like, uh, felt like a pretty scary time. So Yeah. yeah, I think, um, my 10 year old self looking at me now, yeah, I think would, would, like you said, would be proud and, um, would be grateful for the, maybe the perspective I could give her of like the things <laughs> that feel so big to you right now are really yeah. not that big. Uh, and there's so much more than, than what you're concerned about yeah. right now or scared about, or yeah. yeah, there's so much that feels scary when you're 10 yeah. and being 24, I'm like, I'm really, you know, lobsters used to be very, or like even had like claws and stuff sure. terrifying to me when I was 10. Yeah. Now I'm like, there's a lot more scary things. Noel, you know, we're not going to worry about those anymore, yeah. but yeah, I think I something that. else I, while you were saying that, that about being like a pivotal point in life, I think that my 10 year old self would be really like surprised at the people who turned out to be like my friends hmm. and like the people that have like lasted and you know, like those like friendships, I'm trying to think of like being a 10 year old, like friends are everything and being totally. 24, you know, friends are everything, but it's so funny to me to think of what made like my best friends or who was around me when I was 10. Well, and what made me think of it, I was friends with Wyatt when I was 10 yeah. and here I am 14 years later, still friends with Wyatt. Oh my gosh. Those kind of things that have stayed very constant and things that seem like night and day different and how funny that is. I love that. That's special. Um, do you have any childhood memories that you would want to share about your friendship with Wyatt? Oh, what a fun question. Oh my goodness. I feel like Wyatt and I, so we were, I could pull out a yearbook. We've known each other since we were like in pre-K, I would probably say at least four. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we did pre-K through senior year of high school all together, you know? So I don't know. I feel like in high school was when I spent probably more time with him than when we were in elementary school. I think we were just like, yeah, we're friends and buds. And you know, you're just a kid running around on the playground and stuff like that. But I think in high school, there was a lot of like our, you know, our friend groups were kind of the same. So we would be in the same groups going to the formals and helping on leadership and setting up this and I think that I, he was always involved in everything. Yeah. Um, it felt like he's so talented in so many different ways. And I think that I also as an extrovert wanted to be involved in everything. Yeah. So the two of us would end up in lots of different spaces together. So yeah, I feel like the the first things I think of were like formals and stuff going yeah. together and being, you know, rambunctious kids and having a good time. So I love yeah. that. That's fun. Okay. Last question for you before we get into talking about this movie today, if you had to pick an actor or actress to play you in a movie about your life, who would you pick? Oh, what a fun question. They don't have to look like you. They don't have to be anything like you, but who would you want to portray you? Who would I want to portray me? I feel like recently. I just absolutely love Elizabeth Olsen because who doesn't? Sure. I don't think that she would represent me the way that I am. I don't know. I I think that I'm going to caveat many of my answers by saying that I think I'm someone who doesn't often find people in movies or TV shows that I feel akin to. Sure. Um, um, I don't, I don't know. My Enneagram is not a four, so I don't know why that would be hard, but I Uh (laughs) feel very connected. I think, okay, here's my answer for real. Lately, I've been watching the TV show, Grace and Frankie. Okay. Um, 
which is silly and about Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin being in their seventies and both getting divorced and like just becoming friends and kind of being like the odd couple and living together. And I have been watching it a lot lately. And I realized the other day that I've just started dressing like Lily Tomlin's character, um, Frankie. Like I just like Um, arrived at the movie theaters to see men and I like caught sight of myself and I was like, I look like her. I've (laughs) So maybe if it's a, you know, end of my life memoir, I would like Lily Tomlin to play me. Okay. I love that. (laughs) It's like, I think 84. So yeah, (laughs) it'll be a while, you know, wise and graceful and uh, just portraying the best parts of of growing (laughs) old and aging. There There are a lot of really beautiful things to it as well. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for getting us, uh, letting us get a little peek into your life and getting to know you a little bit better. This is the first time that you and I are chatting. So it's also just fun for me to get to know (laughs) you more, uh, and yeah, to hear some, some fun little tidbits about you, but The reason that we are here today is to record an episode, a review of the movie men. So we're getting, going to get into it. I'm going to give a little bit of a recap of men uh, and what that's like, and then we'll just dive right in. Does that sound okay? I love it. Good luck capturing it. Yeah. It feels like a hard one to sum up. We'll we'll keep it vague for now and get into some things uh, as we go. But Men is the latest film from writer-director Alex Garland, who is best known for uh, his previous two motion pictures, uh, Ex Machina and Annihilation. Noelle, have you seen either one or both of those? I've seen Annihilation. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, so I have seen annihilation a couple of times, but I actually just watched ex machina for the first time last week. Uh, and I actually really loved it and I have heard great things about it. Um, so I don't know why that, that makes me (laughs) like going into it. I did not (laughs) think I was going to enjoy it. Um, but in preparation for seeing men and, uh, just wanting to be a little more caught up on Alex Garland's work watched it and I really enjoyed it. Um, it very much felt like a combination of the movie, her and Mm. swan song, which swan song, we actually reviewed at the end of last year. Um, but just a really interesting take on, uh, human interaction with technology and relationships. And, uh, it was just, it was great. It was awesome. Also makes me a little (laughs) bit Uh, fearful of a future in which AI and robots uh, could be a part, a part of life. And it just doesn't feel uh, that far-fetched. Feels like we're on the brink. Totally. Feels like we're on the brink. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We're getting there, (laughs) which feels a little bit terrifying, but uh, we probably will dive a little bit more into Alex Garland in future episodes, just because I know Wyatt has a lot of thoughts on him and particularly uh, has a a huge love for Annihilation in particular. Um, But all of that to say, Alex Garland, writer and director (laughs) of Men. Uh, And Men follows Harper, who is a young woman who has recently lost her husband in a pretty tragic way. And she decides that in an effort to kind of um, start her healing process from this recent trauma, she is going to escape to the English countryside for a little solo vacation, um, time to be able to just process and think and rest and kind of be on her own. 
on. When she arrives, she checks into a beautiful little country cottage um, for this solo vacation. Uh, she is uh, greeted by the landlord, um, who is a, a male owner, uh, who is like, is pretty unsettling at first, but is also kind of charming. <laughs> I was pretty thrown off by his character when we first meet him. Um, but she's met by him. He gives her a tour of the house and she kind of goes on and settles into her vacation. However, she quickly realizes that she is unable to escape both this recent trauma that she has uh, experienced and endured, but there are also these like new terrors and traumas um, that are kind of affecting her throughout this vacation. So I personally really, I enjoyed this. However, I always feel weird saying that I enjoy movies like this because it is, because it is what it is. Uh, so I feel like, a little I'd love to it. watch yeah. it tomorrow and just go to sleep. Just take a nice, I know so I was, I was actually pretty concerned. I was not going to be able to go to sleep after watching this. Um, but it's, it's almost a feeling similar to like riding a roller coaster, at least for me in particular, mm -hmm. there are times throughout a roller coaster when I think to myself, am I having fun or, or <laughs> am I not <laughs> like, do, am I scared? Am I, do I like this? I don't <laughs> do know. Like uh, but at the end of it, I think I did. I, I did enjoy it. Um, but Noelle, you and I have not really gotten into this and yeah. I don't know for sure how you felt about it. Um, so the best way for us to, uh, to figure that out and to talk about it <laughs> is just to talk about it. So, yeah. um, Noelle, we were talking earlier about movie trailers or trailers yeah. in general for a show or a movie and how impactful they can be. So mm -hmm. after see, I'm assuming you saw the movie trailer yes. for this because yes. you see a lot of theater or movies <laughs> in the theater. So you see a lot of movie trailers after seeing the trailer, what were your thoughts? What were your expectations kind of going yeah. into a movie like this? I think I was, so I'm, I think it's so fun that I'm on the podcast for this episode and reviewing this. I was telling this to Wyatt because I I'm pretty sure I can count on one hand, the amount of R rated movies I've ever seen in the theater, Ooh. none of which were horror. Okay. And so this is like very out of my genre to yeah. have seen in a theater. This is my like I have a horrible tendency of reading movies plots on Wikipedia and sure. just being like, that was good enough. I don't yeah. need to see it. I don't need when to it see comes it. to like, yeah, when I'm like, maybe I'm going to be scared or whatever. Yeah. So I remember seeing the trailer for men and being like, oh no, like that looks so interesting. I love the concept. I love the colors. Yeah. Like the, all that rich green that is in yes. the trailer. And also that like, she just like appeared like that ultra feminine light pink dress in the trailer and I'm like oh we're doing stuff with color which I love yeah. and it like drew me in and also I was so spooked I yeah. mean like that's one of those trailers that I was like oh no 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 I don't yeah. know if I can see it like at all yeah let alone in a theater but there was something else that just like again drew me in I felt very drawn in by that okay. trailer yeah 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 <laughs> so then after seeing the film do yeah. you feel like any expectations you had going into it were met or did you leave feeling disappointed or how did the trailer yeah. kind of influence your experience? Yeah, I think that I came out of the, after seeing the film, being so surprised how little scared, like I was not scared leaving mm -hmm. the theater. Mm -hmm. And I, from the trailer, that was my expectation. Yeah. I feel like 
in the media, like the trailers that I saw on Instagram or whatever, leading up yeah. to the movie, they were like, your next nightmare fuel. And you're this and yeah. you're this and you're this. And I was like, oh no. Um, I don't, I came out not laughing because that doesn't feel like the right emotion. <laughs> but the third act of the movie just set such an, a different ending tone than what yeah. I expected. I wasn't dissatisfied though. Okay. I think if anything, I was like, I made it through. Sure, yeah. We are not, we're gonna sleep okay tonight. Yes. <laughs> Those kind of things. So I don't think it I don't think it disappointed. If anything, it, okay. it it just it didn't deliver, but it was just a different tone than I think okay. I expected. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So I'm gonna get into some thoughts. Uh we'll start with some things that we enjoyed about the movie, and then we'll move to some things that we didn't like as much. Um, for me personally, I thought Jesse Buckley, who plays Harper did an incredible job. She, I have just become the biggest Jesse Buckley (laughs) fan, uh, especially over the past couple of years. I don't know if you've seen her in some of the other things that she's done, Mm -hmm. but, um, particularly in I'm thinking of ending things and the lost daughter. Those are the two that I know her from. I know that she's also been in Fargo. Um, but I haven't seen that (laughs) the TV show. Uh, so, (laughs) but from I'm thinking of ending things and the lost daughter, um, it's actually pretty interesting. Have you seen either of those? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's actually really interesting. I feel like there are some similar themes between both of those movies and the character that she plays in this movie, which I, I love because it just feels like a continuity of her character, even though she's so different in each of the films, but, um, just these, these, uh, ties of, her feeling unsettled and her relationship or her marriage. Um, and then in, at least in, I'm thinking of ending things, this added like horror element, uh, to, to her experience with visiting her significant other's family. So, um, she is just phenomenal. And particularly in, in this movie, she had a couple of scenes where she was just displaying this immense amount of grief and anger and frustration and trauma. And I am always blown away by people who are able mm-hmm. to capture that emotion. Um, so believable. Totally. Like there was never a moment that I was like, Oh, she's acting. It was like, Oh, she's, she is this character. She's hard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, And in a movie like this, where there are predominantly two people who we spend the most amount of time with, for her to be able to carry so much emotion and so much of the drama um, Mm storyline or through line in this movie is just like great for her. And I'm happy for her (laughs) that she was able to pull something off like this. I would, yeah. I, the only thing I would add is I read, I saw in the last six months, I'm thinking of ending okay, yeah. for the first time, which actually is so similar in my like visceral response as far as the movie where afterward, I'm like, I don't know if I liked it, but I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. My brain keeps going back to pieces of it. And that has to cotton to me that always is like, this is a significant piece of art in whatever yeah. form. If my brain keeps going back to this like piece of it. Right. But the thing that I disliked the most about I'm thinking of ending things was that 
I thought it was Jesse Buckley's story and yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. And this movie is Jesse Buckley's story and she totally. doesn't get like one up. It is her story from start to finish. Yeah. And I think that was something that I was really hope. I was like, oh no, if this turns out to not be her story again, yeah. like, I'm going to be very disappointed. And yeah. so that was something I was looking, hoping for with this mm. and turned out to be so. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I'm thinking of ending things as one of those that I feel like you have to revisit. <laughs> I felt like yeah. I had to revisit of, of getting to the end of it and just feeling like that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. I'm yeah. not totally sure if I got all of that, which it's actually no. based off of a book. Is that right? Yeah. I, yeah. Or- a or a poem? play One of, or a poem, something, like something. Some, it's, it's based, based something. off of something, <laughs> some yeah. other work of art, um, which again, I is always helpful to have that context. Yeah. Uh, what I, but I didn't. So I got to the end of it and, and was had a, a similar mm-hmm. feeling of like, I think I liked oh. that, but also yeah. I feel like I need, I need to visit that again. So yeah. Yeah. That was one of those movies that was like a very late night choice in our household. And then it like, it finished at like 2am and I was like, am I tired? Did I miss a chunk? Is that just the movie? Yes. Totally. (laughs) Worthwhile revisiting. Totally. Yeah. Uh, the other character that we spend the most time with throughout this film is played by Rory Kinnear and, Uh, You likely know him as Tanner in the Bond movies. He's been in a lot, uh, but that's probably the most frequent and recent thing that he has done and has been a part of. Uh, But Rory Kinnear ends up playing multiple different characters, all of whom are men and all of whom take on a very unsettling, terrifying, grotesque even role in Harper's story. And although each of the characters that he plays are really cut from the same cloth, he does a great job of um, giving each of them their own like tone and personality, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because they're supposed to be different people. But like what what a powerful ability (laughs) to Mm -hmm. be able to play multiple people in one movie and multiple people who each have this really complex, um, place in Harper's story, but who we only get a really short amount of time with. So we get him in little pieces all throughout, but he is such a constant and such a powerful presence in the movie, um, which is just super impressive. I will say one of the men that he plays is supposed to be a little boy, either a little boy or like an early teen. And they, um, it's the body of a little boy or early teen, Uh, but they like CGI Rory Kinnear's face on him. And it was, yeah, I was so uncomfy. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I understand what they wanted to do. Um, but, and maybe that just speaks to, again, just that like yeah. unsettling, like, I, I just don't like a it. Review. I love reading all the reviews on Letterboxd. Yeah. And one of them was like Roy Kinnear on the little boy. Why does he look like the little troll villain from the shirt, the third Shrek movie? Oh my and God. I was like, it is. I had to look it up, but I was like, that's what he looks like. <laughs> it's very, very odd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was weird, but, uh, any thoughts on Rory Kinnear or just his, his role as the embodiment of all these men? I'm always so impressed when actors are playing, you know, multiple characters, multiple roles in a film that, you know, obviously we can change makeup and hair and all those things, but like the physical, how you carry yourself. And the thing that I 
I feel like I noted the most with Rory is that he held his lower jaw in such different manners for Mm. different characters. Like the vicar had such a forward, like almost grinding his front teeth together, like pronounced jaw where like Jeffrey was a smile. And so his chin was always a back and Mm. like those pieces that felt like I, you know, I would imagine if I was the actor that in these different settings, you're like really trying to do that, like physical embodiment of like, how do I represent in different separate individuals? Um, So that's, I mean, like, that's always impressive to me how Mm -hmm. actors can do it. But I think that Roy did that in a really, um, like, well done manner, I guess. Yeah. Um, that physical, because so much of the movie, um, when you're, you know, building those characters is like close to on their face. They're saying things they're, they're looking at, at Harper in these manners. And so it was very like, it is. Yeah. And very tight in on his face. So it's not like, Oh, this guy has a hunch and this guy has a limp or it's like, no, no, no. It has to be very tight. It has to be, you know, minute things that, Mm. that make a difference in the building of the character. Yeah. Yeah. Truly so impressive on the hair and makeup though. All of the people that he plays are so, uh, so different (laughs) and yeah. Yeah. So well done to, to the hair, makeup, costume, all of them, uh, as a part of this. Um, I, like I mentioned, I just recently watched Ex Machina. And so it was cool to be able to see the similarities in Alex Garland's visual style from particularly from Ex Machina and men, um, just because that's the most recent thing of his that I've seen. But, um, in all three of his movies, he, just nails the cinematography. Obviously he has a cinematographer, but, um, to be able to kind of latch on to these different pieces and, um, translate that in each of his films has just been wonderful to see. And I think his, particularly his use of nature and color, like you mentioned from Mm -hmm. the trailer, um, that that stuck out that just allows for a visual feast, which we see so much of here in this movie, um, which was great in a movie that had a lot of really heavy thematic elements Mm -hmm. to it. Um, So here, the setting of kind of the English countryside is so unassuming and idyllic and quiet, and it ends up turning really dark and terrifying. And for him to be able to capture that through his visuals uh, was just really impressive. Also, the house that Harper stays in had so many opportunities to play with both um, the colors that are present as well as the different opportunities for lighting. Uh, just had so much for him to lean into, which I really appreciated. Yeah. So, yeah, the colors in particular, so vivid. So many. Yeah. yeah. And so, so many of them. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, from ex machina that was so it's uh ex machina takes place largely in this like scientific research facility house thing so it's very modern um a lot of neutrals but has these pops of color with particularly like red lights and um Mm various, uh, lighting in particular within the actual house, the space, but the house is set in the middle of the woods. And so you also have these Mm. really bright and vivid greens and naturey, uh, visuals as well. Um, so I loved that he brought something similar into this piece of setting it in the middle of the countryside, green, bright, 
beautiful, but then this house also beautiful, but has a lot of darker tones, has a lot of red, but every room just felt like a different, a different visual theme. So, yeah, I loved, especially like with the colors that like this movie, I feel like really lulls you into like, this is normalcy. Like something is off, but like Mm. the house looks like a house that you would expect to see in the countryside and nature looks like nature. And yet there's like an element of like something is buried within or mm-hmm. some something's off and we don't mm-hmm. we don't quite know maybe it's the lock on the door maybe that's too large or you know it's, it's yeah. too it can't go all the way or nature is maybe just a little bit too green like there yeah. is that element of like I wanted to like sit and just be like like Harper like looking at the leaves but I was like no there's something there has to something be something just there. a little bit off totally. which like we can get into that but I'm like is that not the feminine experience mm. but <laughs> yeah yeah talk more go into that a little bit more Oh my gosh. I feel like I like the first act of the movie when she is like, just trying to be an individual healing. Hmm. Like this is all, all she wants. You know, I think Riley, her friend says like, no, you came to this house. Like this is something you chose. And it very much feels like that feminine experience of like, whatever you have endured, whatever's going on in your life, that seeking a place of rest and rejuvenation and, and growth and Harper seeks that mm-hmm. but then like oh oh gosh that the instance of her going into the tunnel and instantly yeah. having like she's so like in awe of the nature and having fun and doing this thing having and then, this like, moment out, of joy yeah and then literally out pops fear yeah. yeah and I was I don't know Heather I don't want to speak for both of us but like as a woman like oh I've been in that situation yeah. mm-hmm. where you're just like living I'm just trying to have a nice day I'm trying to appreciate nature or whatever it is mm-hmm. and then oops there's fear because yeah. I'm an unprotected woman. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm just trying to have a nice time guys. Yeah. What's this all about? Yeah. So I, I think that that was so, I felt so like lulled into like, it's no, it's normal and it's mm-hmm. nice and it's, mm-hmm. it's nature. But like eyes of you are like, Oh, it's not, you're still, yeah. you're unsafe. You can't, you, yeah. this isn't the right place to be. So totally. I think that that was like very, for me, I was like, oh my gosh, you captured it. Like that's yeah. the, the act one I feel like is like the yes. feminine experience yes. that I've experienced. Yeah, totally. And I think those are like the most terrifying and difficult horror films to watch are the ones that are rooted in reality. Yeah. I know that that is not something that can be said for the whole film, but particularly <laughs> yeah, but act one in yeah. this first portion where it's really setting up her vacation and she's getting settled and, um, she is on a walk in the woods. And then suddenly, as you've said, fear pops up in that tunnel and follows her all the way back to her house. And then as she is safe in her house, assumingly so we know as viewers that she is not that that fear, that situation that encountered her in the woods Mm -hmm. has actually followed her back home. And now that place that's supposed to keep her safe is no longer safe. And that is in broad daylight. (laughs) Like that, that, uh, discomfort and lack of safety that she experiences is in broad daylight with other people around. Um, and then additionally, there's a later scene that happens at night when she's leaving a bar and, uh, has this like 
um, difficult exchange within the bar is confronted by a couple of men who end up making her feel unheard and unsafe. And, uh, they're supposed to be safe people. One of them is literally a police officer and, Mm -hmm. um, and just the feelings that she encounters in that space of, of not only is she, uh, bringing in all of these feelings from what has happened to her earlier in the day, but now she is like having this uncomfortable disagreement with these men at this bar and decides to leave and then has this feeling of being followed and ends up running all the way back to her cottage. Like Mm -hmm. those are, I obviously have not been in that exact situation, but walking outside alone at night from a place to your car or to your house is just, it can be terrifying. And, uh, I think as a, as a girl, as a woman growing up and having my mom tell me like, okay, when you're walking to your car, put your keys between your fingers, (laughs) like literally so that if you get attacked, you can stab someone, take out an eye or make sure you park by a light so that you're not in the dark Mm -hmm. or never park next to a van. Like all of those things are things that I was seemingly like casually told to be able to protect and and defend myself. So, um, whether it is for Harper in broad daylight or at nighttime, there is this like overarching theme throughout this first portion of the movie of just anticipation and dread and like, like, we don't know what's going to happen, but we know that something is going to happen. So we're waiting for it (laughs) the whole time who is coming after her. Is she ever safe? Like, yeah. And there's those little chipping away pieces. Like I remember Jeffrey, the the man who owns the home that she's renting in the very beginning is like, oh, there's only one key. It kind of works in the lock, but like, you don't need to lock it around here. And I, in my, I think I even maybe chuckled because I was like, what a man thing to say. Like I'm going to stay alone in a cottage that I've never been to an area I've never been to. And I'm not going to lock the door. I lock all of my doors when I'm at home, you know, of course I'm going to lock the doors. Yeah. It feels like that. I remember uh, this very similar in the Batman, the newer Batman with Robert yeah. Pattinson. One of like the things I came out from the movie thinking was like, oh, it's a cautionary tale about closing your blinds. Uh, and like, this feels like another one of those. Where, like, yeah. It's a cautionary tale. Lock your door. Lock your door. Close the windows. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me, was there anything else that stood out to you as really, uh, positive things from your viewing experience or from the movie? Um, yeah. Things that you enjoyed. I feel like this is a movie that like, like, like I've said for, I'm thinking of ending things. I don't know if there are a lot of things that I would say I liked about it, Sure, but there are things that have generated a lot of question and conversation and like still like muddying through Mm -hmm. which to me is like oh it's significant but I don't know if I have anything else that I would specifically be like I like this about the way that it was done yeah I I think that I liked the with with kind of going back to Jessie Buckley and the actress that she is I really appreciate that as she's experiencing grief, like throughout, you know, during, during the film, you're seeing flashbacks to her experiences with her husband um, prior to like his accident. Yeah. And I, I liked that her experience of grief was very uh, real to me in the Mm. sense that like, sometimes it's her like 
I loved that moment where she's like pulling clothes out of her bag at the, mm-hmm. at, at the cottage yeah. and you see a flashback and then you come back to her and she's like mid motion and had stopped mm-hmm. and was like, Oh, okay. And then she just keeps going. Yeah. And so like grief shows up in these pauses or grief shows up. Like when she is in the church, she goes mm-hmm. to a church and she's sitting there and she's thinking of this, you know, something that's happened and she's just screaming mm-hmm. like tears, but it seems like angry, like getting it out kind of thing. And that yeah even though it's anger, I think it's still grief. Mm-hmm. And I, I just loved that it wasn't, I think it can easily be seen as like, oh, the woman who's like crying on the side of her bed. And like, that's what grief is. And totally. it's, it wasn't one thing. Yeah. Um, which I loved. And I loved mm-hmm. the way that they told those flashbacks so mm-hmm. authentically mm-hmm. throughout the movie. Yeah. With that. I think especially given the fact that that her husband's death felt so complicated there. It just felt so, uh, multi-layered of this, um, relationship, like coming to an end and coming to this really like brutal climax. And I think both of them had to acknowledge that. And, and then to add in some of these other themes and issues on top of that, just it felt really complex. And, um, one of my favorite scenes was this conversation that we get to see between Harper and her husband as they're hashing things out and having this really difficult conversation. And, um, I think it's probably a lot of, uh, it's a conversation that a lot of people probably have, or, um, maybe don't have the courage to have with each other, but, uh, just felt so raw and authentic. So I think that just contributes to, to those different moments of processing and grief that we get to see from Harper, um, that it was just a really complicated situation that she is processing through and reeling from. So and kind of with that too, um, you at time without like saying all of it, but like, you know, you see injuries, which her husband sustained at yeah. some point and those injuries end up being like mirrored essentially in act mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. And I loved that as for like viewers, I, I love in films when they're little nods to being like, if you're paying attention, you'll notice, uh-huh. you know, you'll notice this little nod. And I think that when like, that's a process that happens over the third act and when like it's completed and it's like his injuries are like finally been mirrored. Like, yeah, it was such a nice payoff as an audience member mm-hmm. to be like, Oh, oh, that's what we're doing. I didn't know what we were yeah. doing. It wasn't gross and damaging for the sake of being gross and damaging, sure. <laughs> but, but there's, there's a purpose with that. And I yeah. think that's what sets like a horror, like a psychological thriller horror mm-hmm. aside mm-hmm. from just like, Oh, we're just bloody for the sake of bloody. Sure. Um, but there's like a, like an element in that, that I'm like, Oh, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to know I'm supposed to, that's supposed to connect something for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did appreciate that and enjoy that as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's get into maybe some of the things that we didn't enjoy as much. Um, so for me, not just for me, for a lot of people, the movie, it is a grotesque film, um, which a lot, it's a lot, uh, which very much plays to the theme it. And like you said, it, it felt like there were strategic choices for what was being done. Obviously there is a point that is trying to be communicated, but at times it feels like it goes a little bit too far. Um, the movie really, uh, kind of does, uh, the 
I think mirrors what we often see in the sexualization of women, but kind of goes the opposite direction towards men. So, um, I don't, Jesse Buckley isn't ever shown fully nude. There is a scene when she's in the bathtub, but we really don't see anything below her neck. Um, and outside of that, the only nudity that we see is from a man. It is, it is all of it. Hard pass. <laughs> no, thank uh, you. <laughs> all, all, all the way around. Um, and it isn't once it happens multiple time. It is a character who is unappealing and who becomes even more unappealing throughout the course of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then additionally, at the end of the film, there is a man who, who is recreating a female act the female act of giving birth. And (laughs) it happens not once, but I think five or six different times, four times. I think it happens a lot, (laughs) multiple times. So, so there, there are these elements that, that in and of themselves would be grotesque and would fit perfectly into the horror genre. But the fact that it happens multiple times. It just keeps happening. Uh, and it gets a little bit worse, a little bit worse and it just cuts away at you. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like it lost its impact on me. I think if we had only seen it once, maybe twice that the, the feeling of that would have been, um, just more impactful. That whole end sequence is, is, is a lot. And I do think you're right that like, I felt very similar to Jesse Buckley because I feel like the first time, for those who haven't seen it, these four births that happen really happen, what feels like in a very short amount of time. It's like you're going right after the other. Yeah. We're going quickly through these. Yes. Um, The whole process from like birth to giving birth and dying again, very, the whole life cycle very quickly. Yeah. And I, I, Jesse Buckley at some point is just kind of like standing there. Yeah. And like kind of crying and just like staring at yeah. like what is happening. What's happening like, in front of her. And I, I, that's not how she started out that scene, but that's how she ends up. And I was like, I think I kind of feel like her where I'm like, yeah. ah, oh, well, yeah. what's happening again? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, like you kind of talked about and alluded to um, a little while ago, walking out of the film. So, so this portion that we're talking about happens really right up until the very end. And so then for it to end shortly after that and to leave felt like, Oh, the, the scared feeling that I felt throughout a good portion of the film ended up lessening because it just kept happening. (laughs) So it felt like it kind of cheapened the impact, uh, the more that they showed it. Yeah. 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 Any other. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I have. So I have like the thing that I keep coming back to with that scene is like, I want to, I want to think about, or like talk about, I'm going to preface this. I want to talk about what I I have an emotional reaction to like, I would say like the appropriation of the female body in, in this like sequence, Hmm. but I want to almost like caveat that because every time I've been like thinking about that and how like, this is like a male character, someone like we've seen it all, like is a man yeah, and suddenly also is, you know, has obtained, um, female anatomy and is, is capable of like 
birthing life. Yeah. And like that, I've had like such a physical reaction to that, but I want to caveat that by saying that I, as an individual in the world, am trying very hard to make sure that I have inclusive language and talk Mm. inclusively about the trans community. Sure. And it feels very odd to be talking about this, this reaction to a movie of like a man's doing what a woman does Mm. when I'm like, oh, also if this were, (laughs) this were a different setting, if this man was you know, identifying as a woman and therefore, yeah. you know, it's, I feel like it's a hard, it's been a hard thing for me to know how to say, cause I'm like, I want to sound, I want to make sure that the way that I talk about this is not, is very strict to this movie sure, and, this scene sure. and is not a broad statement in life. So anyway, yeah. all that um, it feels very odd to me that in like, I would say that my understanding of this last scene is that real, men producing more men like sure. themselves totally just like broad point being that you know men are continuing <laughs> the life cycle and really can only produce that generational misogyny mm-hmm. with that said I think it's such an interesting thing that in saying that point you are excluding women from the mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. because then if we're talking about like generational misogyny yeah. and like that being a problem and in your metaphor of that or analogy or whatever you want to call it, you have removed the woman yeah. and it is all male centered. It feels a bit paradoxical to me that no generational like misogyny is a huge problem. That's what we're talking yeah. about. That's what like I feel as a woman. And also you can't talk about misogyny without women and yeah. the mothers involved in those cycles and the sure. grandmothers and the sure. daughters and I, and it's an incomplete thought yeah. <laughs> that I keep coming back to with that sequence yeah. of this like appropriation of the man being able to encapsulate all of it on his own and still having an effect with women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so I felt like, um, the ending as a whole left, left me wanting a bit more. It didn't feel I didn't feel satisfied (laughs) fully with the, with the ending and where they were going with it. So the, maybe the combination of that mixed with, uh, this, this thing (laughs) that's happening (laughs) at the end, whatever (laughs) it is, um, how would you have wanted that to end differently or how would you have seen that? ending differently what would have been satisfying to you or even this thought wow, of yeah. like okay if if Alex Garland chose to keep in this birth this reincarnation this cycle mm-hmm. of birthing more men given this idea of how are women involved mm-hmm. in that what would it have looked like for Jesse Buckley's character to yeah. to be more of an active participant in what was happening as opposed to just sitting and watching it or yeah is is that saying something that she's sitting and watching and that it is a passive thing what do you think I I love that as a thought I hadn't thought of it that way I think that it is very significant that at um the end of this line yeah is is her partner is James at the end of it all we have James yeah and we have her and James having this, what I would perceive to be the conversation that is linking back to her memories. Totally. And that essentially Jesse Buckley is the end of this line. Yeah. James has been the product of all of this generational misogyny and trauma. 
and Jesse is the first, no, Harper is the first one to be like, no, no, not going to happen. Not, and we're having an end to this. Yeah. I think that if I, if I were to, I, I, there's this, like this nature piece, right. That is mm-hmm. coming into play, especially with the man who follows her out of the woods. Right. He's coming from nature. He's coming from like, there's this link to nature and green and leaves and all of that stuff, which I don't, I wouldn't say I confidently understood yeah. that whole metaphor piece, but I think that I would have in what, I don't know how to fix that whole end scene, but I, <laughs> I think that I would have enjoyed to see more of that connection to nature as in mm. a mother entity. Cause my mm-hmm. understanding would be that the prime, you know, the initial man who that starts the sequence mm-hmm. has embodied nature and mm-hmm. has again, appropriated some sort of mother nature thing so that he is able to produce this yeah and so I I like that that seems like a very thin connection to femininity in that in that sense I think I would have wanted to have seen as that line continues more of that connection to it isn't just the initial woman that's needed but like for for misogyny to be generational and for Mm -hmm. it to be affecting all these generations there have to be women involved Mm -hmm. like there has to be it's it's not just Jesse there or Harper. Yeah. There's yeah. there's many women involved in that yeah. line. Um, which I think they started to with the nature. I mean, there's it's very like the seed that she inhales and all of that in, yeah. in a moment, like is very significant to the story. And nature, I guess, is playing that feminine role, but it feels like a very mm-hmm. thin line. I mean, genuinely, I think the thing that feels most challenging about this movie is it feels like a man's understanding of misogyny and a man's understanding of these concepts and somehow even in understanding these concepts is leaving out women to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. So obviously this is directed by Alex Garland, written and directed by Alex Garland, who is a man. Um, so, so what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on a story like this being told from the perspective of a man? Um, and do you feel like the impact of it or even just the general tone or understanding of it would have been different had it been directed by a woman? Would this be a story that is told if it was directed by a woman? Yeah. I think it would be told in a, in a very different way. Um, it's interesting if you look at the production staff of this, like the casting crew of this film, you have to get down to costuming and makeup before you enter, you find a woman who is involved mm-hmm. with this film. Mm-hmm. So no one on the production level, no one, on, you know, the producer level, director, yeah. writer, like any of those, um, the casting director was a woman, um, is a woman. Um, and you know, there, there are women involved at the costume and makeup level, but in the story and the heart of it, there was not a feminine voice. Yeah. Which feel I had to look it up because some of their names, I was like, that could be a woman's name. Maybe they yeah. were. And I was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that that's such a it uh it feels really challenging. It feels like one of those things where you're trying to talk about a problem and fix the problem while not while being the problem, mm-hmm. but you're not bringing in those who mm-hmm. are the problem is about. Mm-hmm. It, it feels very odd. I think that mm-hmm. I feel like it seems very corporate, not mm-hmm. very artistic to mm-hmm. be like, oh, we care about this and this is a yeah. problem and we need to stop it, but we don't want to hear from the people who this is affecting. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't think that Alex Garland is like that 
callous i don't think that he would create a whole film if he sure you know care you know didn't care i think it would be a very different movie had a woman been a part of the writing mm-hmm. the directorial mm-hmm. any any piece of yeah <laughs> on the higher up level but yeah. what do you think um i don't it maybe <laughs> if this was his goal, I don't feel like he accomplished it. I don't feel like he was trying to solve anything. I felt like mm-hmm. maybe he was trying to, um, highlight or, or attempt to show the experience or feeling of a woman in these different situations. Certainly. I think it's one of those movies where there's a lot that can be left up to the viewer to interpret and, um, to pull from it what they want. Um, but I don't know necessarily that his goal was to, was to solve anything. So in that case, maybe that's okay. Like maybe it's okay, um, for him to, I don't know. It's so tricky. Maybe it's okay for him to have interpreted this experience and have put his artistic, uh, insight and spin on Mm -hmm. what the experience of a woman could be. Do I feel like it would be, um, more impactful, more deep, more touching that maybe there could be some offers of a solution or, um, or resolution if it was, done by a woman or if there was female input, totally. (laughs) So I think, (laughs) I don't think what, what was produced was a bad thing. I think there is a lot more potential of what could have been done. Um, had it maybe been a collaborative effort or, Mm -hmm. uh, had it not tried to be so on the nose (laughs) and, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a really good point of like, for what it is, I think that, gosh, most of act one, again, there were those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, that I have done that. Totally. I, like, this is it. This is the feeling yeah. you've captured. And it. that, and that's significant that that was like, it's not that Alex doesn't, has never met a woman, doesn't even understand. Yeah. Like he clearly has like, as a, as a writer really encapsulated those pieces. Well, I think that on the everyday level but I think yeah. as soon as it was like layers deeper than just like the everyday life mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. um like a commentary on the everyday life experience mm-hmm. I was like oh I don't know if I wonder if a woman who has embodied the everyday experience and been thinking about it their entire life yeah would have been able to add a yeah like I think you used the word depth like a yeah. different level of depth to yeah. it Cause I, oh gosh, I wonder, I'm wondering if he has experienced or seen like these instances to be able to write from, cause mm. there's that, there's such a brief little moment in the beginning where when she's first getting introduced to the house, mm-hmm. Jeffrey asks her if he plays the piano uh-huh. and she goes, nope, I don't. And he's like, yeah. great, fine. And then like three scenes later for no reason at all, she sits down and like plays, plays really beautifully. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I like there's so many times where I'm like some creepy guy is talking to me. Yeah. I don't feel like talking to yeah. you. So what's my quickest, yeah. quickest exit totally. of the conversation? Nope. Never seen a piano next. You yeah. Know, like, <laughs> Keep like, it moving. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. It is interesting. And uh, yeah, a really interesting shift from even the first, you know, half of the movie to the latter half um, just really took on a, a different shape and tone and um yeah sometimes it feels like, uh, you're trying to do a little too much or trying to be too 
too big with it, <laughs> like <laughs> narrow in, pick what you want to talk about yeah. specifically and like, go for it. Um, yeah. yeah, it felt a little broad there at the end, but yeah. Anything else that was challenging for you or that you didn't enjoy as much about this? You know, I would love to know what you thought or took away from there's in, in the mid, like between, I don't know. I don't think she's gone to the bar yet mm-hmm. and separate from everything we've seen for just like a moment, we see like a deer who has died in the forest Yeah, and you just see it and then you see it like rotting and then you never see it again. Yeah. And it was like this moment in the movie that definitely reminded me of Get Out. I was like, oh, I've seen this before. Hmm. Um, but what did, did you add significance to that? Did that enrich your movie going experience? Cause I think it, for me, I was like, I'm supposed to garner some meaning from this and tie right. it in somewhere. And I, I'm not right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I honestly have not thought about that deer again until just now. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> so no, it, uh, it didn't have an impact on me and maybe because it yeah. was so brief and because I don't feel like it ever came back again, but it surely no. was intentional. I don't feel like he would just, <laughs> was it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't I, know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I haven't okay. thought about that's it. That's a great answer. Yeah. I was just like, that was one of those where I feel like in really rich movies, I'm like, I'm supposed to think on every, I mean, everything this is like has a very, meaning. I think it's the only point in the movie potentially where we like step away from either Harper or some version of Rory and see yeah. anything else. Hmm. And I'm like, that has to hold something. Totally. I mean, I know we're, we have this commentary on nature throughout yeah. and but like this one aspect of it, I've been like, I don't know what I'm supposed to learn from that. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I that's that, interesting. I think that that's the thing I like about this movie maybe is that I'm like, I think I very strictly want to know what I'm supposed to learn from movies. Mm. And like, I think my like AP English teacher really ingrained it into me that like, I, I have to be able to like synthesize it. What are all the themes doing together? And then there are pieces that I'm just not going to, yeah. and that's fine. And yeah. maybe I will the next time I watch it, if I ever watch it again, yeah. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> what is this uh, a rewatchable one? I'm not sure, but uh, I watched, or I read an interview that Alex Garland did and um, the interviewer had posed the question of, of meaning and how much Mm. meaning is in these different choices and particular scenes that they were talking about. And Alex Garland had said that when people walk away from this movie, they, one person will have one interpretation of it and I'll talk to someone else and they will have the complete 180 opinion or, or takeaway from this movie And that's less about the movie and more about them as people and that you're going to take from it Mm. what you will and what resonates with you and what is impactful for you. Um, And that's really difficult for me (laughs) at times. (laughs) And, and I want there to be like a clear cut meaning or resolution or like, okay, when I get to the end of this film, what is my takeaway? Yeah. Is it 
all men are bad and they're just continuing to repopulate and rebirth themselves. Like, I don't know that that's a message I believe or that I want to take away from this, but what else are you offering me? Um, and I think that's why I, I struggled with the ending a little bit because I, it didn't feel like there was as much of that. And it was kind of left open, um, of like, take, take what you will from, from this, uh, and go on your way. Yeah. I don't want to necessarily spoil for viewers or anything like that, but the last shot of the movie, yeah, or like the last couple moments of the movie, would you want to talk about that or is that? You sure. Want, yeah. Go for it. If you, <laughs> I don't know the depths of spoiling. <laughs> yeah. If you have not seen the movie and you, uh, don't want the, <laughs> the very ending to be spoiled, <laughs> thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> uh, everyone yeah. else, if you're interested in what Noel has to say, stick around, <laughs> go for so- it. I'm so curious with what significance or any significance that you hold for her friend, Riley, who's been with us through the whole movie, shows up on the scene, acknowledges that everything that happened the night before did in fact happen. Yes. And is also pregnant. Yes. And then that's it. Yes. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I think that just that whole, like, see, I really think Alex Garland did like a cool, like an interesting thing with this of like. I think most movies you would see a scene like the birthing scene mm-hmm. and then you would move on and be like, oh, it was in her head. It was this and this and this. And you don't get to have those like answers. Right. And Alex Garland was like, ah, it happened. Yeah, actually. It actually, was. Here's the it evidence. Was, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, how did, what meaning or impact or any of that did that have for you, Heather? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so her friend showing up and seeing, so they're, the night that everything is happening, uh, there's a car that crashes. So when she pulls up to the house, she sees that in fact, this car has crashed. Um, which it's interesting because as I was watching everything unfold, I, there wasn't ever a moment where I was like, is this actually happening? Like, is this real? Um, when I step back and look at the movie as a whole, there are certainly moments where it's like, okay, that could just be her imagination. Or certainly I know when I have been alone in the dark, like your mind runs (laughs) to all the possibilities of what that sound could be or what that shadow could be. Um, however, it would be a lot, it would be an elaborate imagination that she would have for none of this to have happened. So to my yeah. memory, there's also like blood where there was totally. blood the night before, yes. I think yeah. too. Yeah. 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 So her friend pulls up, sees this, is like, what on earth happened? Um, and then they just share this, this look of like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, here I am. Um, and, uh, I don't fully know. I had, I had, again, read something that had talked about the fact that, uh, the conversation that Harper has with her husband after he, as you mentioned, is the last birth to occur. He is birthed and is sitting on the couch with Harper having this kind of, uh, final conversation that, that that is really her moment of closure that she got to hear from him, what he needed. She got to express what she needed or how she felt in this situation. And, and that was it. She got to release herself from, uh, the guilt of his death and from her role in their relationship and, and his, his death. Um, 
And that after that, after that conversation, she goes out and there's like a release and a freedom and her friend is there and she's safe. And, and maybe that's her, her process. Like that was, she had to go through really terrible traumatic things to be able to be released. Um, but my, my question is, so we know as we're watching all of these men have the, the same face. They're all played by Rory Kinnear. They're the same person, but they're different people. Harper, as she's experiencing them and encountering them does not ever make a connection or acknowledge that they all look like the same people. So then there's this question of if these men existed, does she know that they're the same person? Are they the same person because they're all men and to her, all men Mm -hmm. are bad are were, was this truly just a home invasion that her grief and trauma put its own spin on and like turned every man into a potential threat. And she really just had one home invader. (laughs) I don't know. So all of that to say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what, what to take from that. And I think the sequence of her going through the house, trying to like escape yeah. And interacting with different inter- individuals was to me such like a trauma response. Like you're mm-hmm. kind of alluding to, like, even if it's just a singular individual home invasion in the heat of the moment when you're overwhelmed with all this stuff, all these other flashbacks of your life of other moments when you had adrenaline sure. Sure. and you were feeling this way in that way. Like it feels like they're all just like coming front and center and you're having to, you know, handle the the triggers, right? Like yeah. it's, you know, these are all moments that remind us of this other moment, which reminds us of this other person that we've met. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also interesting to think about it in the sense that like, that is not a universally female experience. Like totally like any, any individual, any gender can experience that kind of thing. And, and maybe that's maybe, maybe part of it is like bringing in that idea that like, this could be anyone, this is like a woman and experiencing it in the context of like, gendered mm-hmm. interactions mm-hmm. but also it could be any trauma that is like overwhelming and triggering and yeah. overwhelming the senses I guess yeah yeah it's a lot <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot and continues to be I know that you mentioned this that this is a film that has just sat with you and that you have continued to kind of mull over and yeah. uh, I feel similarly about it. Every time I think of it, I think of a different portion of the film and try to dig in for yeah. that meaning. Um, and, and I think we can get something out of that. Like, I think we can see meaning in yeah. it in, in lots of different ways, but um, ultimately, like we talked about, there is no cut and dry answer of There's what, none. yeah, what the goal was or what, um, what we're absolutely supposed to take from this. So maybe that's freeing to some people. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's difficult for others. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. I think that I'm interested to continue talking about it with other individuals, especially women, yeah. um, because of what you're talking about that, like, I don't know what conversation that Harper has in there, which is, it, which would be especially like connecting to another individual. Like she has so many conversations with different men throughout this movie that mm-hmm. I would imagine can feel familiar 
two different individuals in the world interacting. And I'm so curious which ones are going to like stand out to different individuals. Like Hmm. as we've mentioned, like her experience in the woods, I'm like, I've been there. I've done that, that like experiencing nature, but I, and I didn't really feel especially connected to many of the conversations she had with the different versions of Roy throughout the film. But I would imagine that other women would say, oh my gosh, the conversation with the vicar, absolutely, or the conversation with the boy or whatever. So I think I'm, although I don't think I really want to see it again, I'm interested in talking to other individuals about what was the piece, if any, in this movie that Mm -hmm. drew out that emotion or they found similarity to. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. In that sense, I feel like there is kind of um, something for everyone to attach to because of how different these individuals were that she got to yeah. connect with. Um, so in that sense, I feel like that is a win that it was broad yeah. enough that these characters were broad enough, um, that I think most women in particular could find one to, that they resonate with yeah. or maybe multiple and hopefully yeah. not all of them, hopefully, hopefully not, not all of them. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, so certainly. sorry if you did, <laughs> certainly not all of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, super interesting. Yeah. Any other thoughts on men? Oof. I have been, I just would implore anyone to just go read like reviews of it because I just have been cackling at them. Um, like I said, I usually go, I go on letterbox to decent bet and was reading through reviews, which are not by like critics, but just like, you know, other people, some of the, my favorite that I saw today was like just a review that was like 400% more birth than expected. Yes. And I was like, yes. And stuff like that. I've been having such a giggle on my own reading people's silly reviews and yeah. having a blast. <laughs> yeah. I, I love reading letterbox reviews, not for actual review content, but no. for the, um, just how clever people are, uh, with yes. their, their thoughts and their, their feedback on there. So I love yes. that. And can confirm if you individuals out there that listen, do not want to see this movie. The Wikipedia version is, I read it today and I think they did a great job. Oh, good. (laughs) That's good. If you're too scared to see it, highly recommend Wikipedia. (laughs) Wikipedia that. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Noelle. I know this is uh, for our listeners out there a little bit different, um, but I hope that you guys enjoyed our conversation and certainly are able to take away something from it. And if anything, I hope that your curiosity is piqued and that you will either go see this film or you'll go read the Wikipedia page. (laughs) Um, because I do feel like there is a lot of conversation to be had. And, uh, even with this idea of, uh, of a male director directing, writing and directing, um, a film that seemingly is tied to the female experience. What does that look like for writers and directors in Hollywood? And, um, how can we continue to tell these stories and not just stories of women, but underrepresented people of all different groups? Mm -hmm. How can we tell those stories, even if they are not a part of those stories, even if they're not in those communities, how can those stories still be told well um, and accurately? I think we would argue with input <laughs> from those people <laughs> and from those communities. Yeah. Um, yeah. So everyone make sure to go watch men again. It is, um, it is rated R. It is intense. It does have a lot of themes that that may be difficult to watch. So we do just give a little bit of a warning there. However, it was beautiful. It 
really makes you think, uh, and certainly is worth your time. So go give that a watch. Men is in theaters now. Uh, and I hope that you enjoy Noel. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you for having me. Happy to be on. Listeners, if you have seen men, let us know what your thoughts are. Um, let us know if you have thoughts on some of the questions that Noelle and I pose to each other. It seems like there's still more to learn here. So as always, let us know what you thought and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. I don't usually do that alone, so that's weird.